0: Hi, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf, and welcome to my podcast, Cleaning Up the Mental Mess. A podcast dedicated to helping you clean up your mental mess so you can live your happiest and healthiest life. In today's episode, I interview Certified Life and Business Coach, number one national best-selling author and podcast host, Christy Wright, on how to manage your mental health, time and stress levels when running or starting your own business and taking care of your children. How to overcome working mom guilt. How to deal with sexism in the workforce and become your own advocate. How to deal with failures in business and at work. How to take the leap of faith and do the things you always wanted to do. And more. If you enjoy this podcast and want to know how you can help me keep making episodes possible, please consider leaving a 5-star review and subscribing wherever you listen. And keep sharing episodes with friends and family on social media. For more tips and strategies and resources, be sure to check out my website, drleaf.com and follow me on social media. Just look for Dr. Caroline Leaf on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube and Twitter. Now, on to today's episode. Christy Wright, what a lovely honor to have you in the studio with me today. I'm excited to talk to you about your business boutique idea. I think it's amazing. It's going to help so many people. So before we begin, just tell my viewers and my listeners a little bit about you. Tell us something that's not in your bio. You know, people love to hear that little special tidbit that
1: motivates you and why you do what you do. Yeah, I don't think this is in my bio, but my mom was a single mom. And she started a bakery when I was six months old to raise and support me. So I was raised oh, wow. literally in the business. So I spent more time with her employees than I did my own friends growing up. And that really not only shaped me and gave me yeah. a lot of business, but it gave me such a model of a strong woman chasing her dreams, kind of in survival mode, trying to make it work and raise her daughter. And so that is what has given me a passion today to not only use my gifts, but to help other women use their gifts.
0: Oh, I love that. That's such a lovely story. So you're immersed in the business that you've kind of created or immersed in a business environment and now you teach people how to do that. So yeah. and I love your idea of business boutique. That's just such a lovely concept. And you've got all these programs and things. So and you started that as a way to help women to start their own businesses. You know, and I think in this current climate, especially, there's just such a people deciding to start their own businesses. So I'd love to talk a little bit about you know tell us about why you started. You know, you've given us
1: a little bit of a hint, but tell us a little bit more and how how this can help my listeners. Yeah, absolutely. So I I have a background in business. I've had my own side businesses along the way. I have a degree in business. I have a passion for business and obviously was raised by an entrepreneur. But what's been interesting in the last five to seven years is the barrier to entry into the marketplace is lower than ever before. Mm. 20 years ago, you had to have a bunch of startup capital. You had to have a brick and mortar store. It was a big deal. Yeah. To start a business. It, was a, it was a big hurdle. It was financially not even possible for most people. And now you could start a side business or home-based business tomorrow with nothing more than your idea and a Facebook page. And so it's so accessible. Mm.
0: And you see this environment
1: where a lot of women in particular, but but anyone wants to make their own schedule, work on their own terms, have flexibility and freedom, have more balance. They don't want to work the traditional 9 to 5 J-O-B that they don't like mm-hmm. and collect the mm-hmm. paycheck and go home. So they have these options to do what they love and help people and make money doing it. But here's what I noticed again and again. People have this idea or they have a passion like, hey, maybe I could do this. And they immediately think, well, I'm not business minded well, I don't know how to run a business. Well, I don't have a degree in business. And they feel disqualified. And I thought, you know what? I do know business. And I could come alongside them and show them how simple it really can be. Give them very practical steps, very simple plans to help them take their idea and put it into action. And so that's why I really started Business Boutique 5 years ago is to help this massive audience, these millions of people that want to do something, freelance workers or independent contractors, home-based business, side business, hobby business, you name it, come alongside them and show them how to be successful at that thing that they want to do.
0: Oh, I love that. And that's such an important skill that that people can actually learn. I love what that you do that. Thank you for doing that. So I know that you can't tell us everything in, in just a few minutes, but could you give some just based on like a broad outline of what are some of the things that, that you can do to get going? I mean, you already said today, yeah. you can just jump on Facebook and you okay. can... Tomorrow, you can start a business if you've got the idea. So just give us a few little pointers and then we can also put the link in the show notes to your courses and your book. I've got your book over here. Great book for this. So people can get your book as well and learn more.
1: Well, this is a great time too. Uh, It's an opportunity for people where you are seeing unemployment at an all-time high and people have been furloughed and they're just feeling uncertain. They feel like they have just a couple bad options. It's like you have more options than you think. So I'm going to give you just three simple things that people can do right now today to maybe lean into this idea of starting something from home on the side that could bring in extra money or bring in you know additional income. So the first thing I want you to do is start with what you have. And what I mean by that are your skills, your strengths, and your stuff. Your skills would be education or experience that you have. Your strengths would be natural gifts and talents. Maybe you've never been trained there, but you're just really good at it. And your stuff would be... What do you already have? you have a swimming pool? Maybe you teach some lessons. Do you have a sewing machine? Maybe you can sew masks. Do you have a computer? Maybe you can write. And so when you begin to look around you for inspiration for a business idea, and you start there, what's so amazing is you make it easier on yourself to win. You don't have to learn a whole new skill and buy a bunch of stuff. You're just going to start with what you have. And then what happens is you make money faster, which gives you confidence which gives you momentum, which leads to you making more money and helping more people and lasting for the long haul. So first, just start with what you have. Then the second thing I want you to do after you look around you for inspiration is you're just gonna choose an idea. Now, people say all the time, well, which idea do I choose? Here's the thing. You're not married to this idea forever. Because it's so easy, you can change your mind if it doesn't work out. So here's where I want you to start. Just pick the easiest idea. What's the idea that's gonna make you the money the fastest, make you money the fastest. For example, you could start a blog. That's true. That's not going to make you money for a very long time. Pick something that would actually you could monetize tomorrow. Like, hey, I'm an incredible singer. I could be a vocal coach. I'm going to tell people on Facebook tomorrow. And immediately, I'm charging for vocal lessons. That's going to make you money faster. You don't have to buy a bunch of stuff and, and have a long runway there. So start with what you have. Choose your idea, your easiest idea and then third, put yourself out there. And this is the scariest part. Because you think, oh, what if they don't like me? What if it doesn't work? What will people think? What if I fail? Here's the thing. You don't have to wait until you're not scared to do the thing you want to do. Do it scared. You put yourself out there, send an email to your contacts, put a post on Facebook. Just say, hey guys, I'm doing this thing. Hey, I'm starting this business. I'm starting a landscaping business. I'm going to start teaching some lessons. I'm going to start you know, this side business. And you'll be amazed at people rallying around you. Hey, I need some lessons. Hey, I need vocal lessons. I need my lawn done. And it gives you that affirmation and confidence. You're like, I'm doing this thing. And the whole thing just snowballs. So those three steps can get you started today. I love that. That's
0: simple, practical, doable, and anyone can take up that challenge. That's fantastic. Okay. So now, when women are in business, how let's relate because this is a podcast about mental health. As you know, I do all the cognitive neuroscience and mind right. stuff. And so, how can your program, and obviously, just giving these tips, it's already kind of moving in that direction, but how can it help women reduce their anxiety and their stress when it comes to getting a business going and keeping a business going and the anxiety and and I'd like to talk around fear because you actually handle, that's something that I talk a lot about and teach a lot about the fear zone and the love zone and I love how you've handled fear in your book. I actually dog-eared it and made a couple of, underlined a couple of things there because you've really had, you know, you've made it very simple and I'm just going, so in launching you in, I'm going to just read a couple of lines from your book and then you take it from there. Okay. But we're talking about in business, how do we, in terms of our mental health, reduce the anxiety and the fear, etc., around running a business? Bearing in mind that fear is normal, anxiety is normal, depression is normal. These are all emotions that move up and down as life happens and as we experience life. So it's not an illness. It's quite normal to experience those things, but how do we deal with it? And one of the things I tell people all the time is you've got to face your fears, you've got to go through them to find the gem and you actually say get comfortable with your fear and I like that because it's something that we do need to get comfortable with our fear if we're going to progress forward and then you make a couple of things we can talk about this maybe after but the exposure that people get as soon as you're like you put your face you put your post out on Facebook and you're going to get 20 great comments and one negative and how we hone in on the negative and you know that kind of stuff but with exposure comes that opportunity for the negative that can knock a person so maybe your day one of your vocal lessons and you've had three people that have loved it and then one who wrote gave you a bad rating and it's 10 days into your business and now you—you you know the anxiety is rising and you'd want to give up. So can we talk... Okay, so they have framed it for you. Now you take it away.
1: Yes. So now you're the doctor here. So I'm so <laughs> excited that you think my fear chapter is great so I'm like, yes, like I am not the doctor here. I'm going solely on personal experience for myself yeah. and coaching women through this. But I'll tell you that the biggest hurdle for me when it comes to fear, and I experience fear like everybody else does, is that I felt like it was a bad sign. Like I thought that if I was supposed to do the thing, then I wouldn't be scared. I'd be confident. I'd be fearless. Mm. I would know it was right. I'd be sure of my success. And I never was. And so I used to think that it was this red flag. Now I'm a, I'm a Christian. And so I, I can also have a spiritual connection to this to think, well, maybe this is God telling me I shouldn't mm. do it. That's nice excuse. <laughs> yes, because I'm scared. And what I learned is fear is not a bad sign. It's not a sign you're doing something bad. It's a sign you're doing something bold it's a normal part of the journey. And so what I try to do, and, and I did in that fear chapter, and anytime that I'm speaking on this, is I try to normalize the fear. I say, yes, Lovely. you're scared because it's new. You've never done it. If you weren't a little scared, I might even question you like, what are you so confident about? Because yeah. you never... It's a good sign. It's a sign you're doing something bold and new, which is awesome. And what's interesting is once you do the thing whatever the thing is, the Facebook post, a Facebook live, you, you speak on stage for the first time, whatever it is, then your fear lessens tremendously because fear can't torment you with the terrifying possibilities of what's going to happen if you do it because you did it and exactly. you survived. Now, here's what's interesting though. Once you conquer your fear of that thing, it's going to get easier and easier. Speaking now is, is no problem for me because I've been doing it for 10 years. The first time I walked on stage, I was terrified. But anytime I do something new, when I wrote that book, oh, I was a speaker, but I'm not a writer. But what if no one like? it? What if the reviews are terrible? What if no one buys it? What if, what if, what if? Anytime you do something new and you push yourself outside of your comfort zone, mm-hmm. which is where all good things exist, by the way, you're going to have new fears because you're doing something new. I knew. I love how Joyce Meyer says, new levels, new devils. Yeah. And so I think it's just really important to acknowledge, yes, I'm scared. This is normal because I've never done it before. But that's not a disqualifier. I don't have to wait until I'm not scared to do the thing I want to do. I'm going to do it while I'm scared. I'm going to launch that business while I'm scared. I'm going to walk on that stage while I'm shaking my stilettos or my sneakers or whatever. Yeah. While you're scared. And it's in the doing that your fear lessens. I tell people all the time, the antidote to fear is action. Nothing will silence your fear of doing the thing like doing the thing. So go do the thing. (laughs)
0: I am constantly on planes, traveling to conferences and all over the place. And one major problem I used to have was dehydration, which really made me dread flying. Dehydration also made jet lag and headaches so much worse. But ever since using Liquid IV electrolytes, flying has become so much more enjoyable. Liquid IV can provide the same hydration as drinking two to three bottles of water. It contains five essential vitamins, more vitamin C than an orange, and as much potassium as a banana, and is healthier than traditional sugary sports drinks. No artificial flavors, preservatives like Pedialyte or Gatorade. If you're dehydrated, try Liquid IV. It's the fastest, most efficient way to stay hydrated. Get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code DRLEAF at checkout. That's 25% of anything you order on Liquid IV's website. Just go to liquidiv.com and enter promo code DrLeaf to save 25% and get better hydration. That's liquidiv.com promo code DrLeaf. Don't wait. Start properly hydrating today. The link and offer details will be in the show notes. I mean, that's totally brain science as well. You know, we see that. Oh, the, yeah, totally. I mean, we see that with like, the clinical trials that I've just done. We see the people that were incredibly all kinds of s- different scenarios, but those that faced, one of the first things that you have to do is become aware and face the stuff. And it didn't mean that the fears went away or the depression went away or whatever, but they learned management of it. So, right. yeah, you know, so as you do it, as you start actually stepping in and facing, it's that's always the hardest part is or the
1: fear blocks but yeah. to push through and get, get into it. What I've noticed too in my life is when I pushed past the fear, I didn't just lessen the fear. I actually increased my sense of confidence.
0: I overcame yeah. that
1: fear, my sense of power. Here's a, a silly example. I was on the playground one day and my son was playing and I saw another mom and her son and he was like maybe six years old and he climbed up on the monkey bars and he, he gets his little hands up there and they're like really high up. And he starts to reach his little body for the next monkey bar and the next one. He does this all the way at the end. And he swings back, reaches out, swings and lands, throws his arms in the air like an Olympian that's just won the gold. And his mom looks at him and she says, wow, I didn't know you could do that. And he said, I didn't either. Mm. And I thought, isn't that powerful that that's how we learn what we're capable of is we try it and we do it. We do the things we've never done before and we try it. And what happens is when we overcome our fear, when we go across the monkey bars, when we walk on the stage, our confidence builds and we start to go, what else could I do that I didn't know I could do? Mm-hmm. And we start so to great. try new things and push outside of boxes we put ourselves in and get outside of our comfort zone. And man, it opens us up, business or not. It opens us up to a bigger and better life than we even knew was possible. So good, so good, and I related
0: to that because coming along, there he, he may have got a second time on the monkey bars in four and fall, right. and we'll try some new. So failure comes along with and as as John Maxwell says so well: with every fear, with every failure, there's a success. So let's talk now about. How to deal with the fear of failure because there's that's one of the things that can really block a person going into business is what if it fails? What if I lose all my money? But you don't know that till you've actually climbed on the monkey bars and you've started
1: doing it. And how do you
0: deal with it? So, what would be your advice there in terms of failure?
1: That's so good. So, I think there's when it comes to business, specifically financial, the way that you explained it, you want to be wise, you want to build, you know, grow slow, grow, you know, follow best business practices. You don't want to just take out a loan and put all this money... You don't want to be unwise with it. Reckless. But when it comes to failure, like let's say, I'm going to launch a product and it's going to flop. Or I'm going to put something out there and people are going to hate it. Rather than having the fear of what if this happens, just know that it will. Because if you're trying anything new, you're going to fail sometimes. You're not going to always get it right. Let me share a really quick story because I think this is such a powerful example. So I had a speaking event within my first year of speaking. So I am an amateur. I have no experience. I don't even know what I'm doing. And I had the speaking event where I completely bomb. I mean, crickets. I lost the audience. The, the, this guy raised his hand and asked a question that I knew the answer to later. But in the moment, I just felt so caught off guard and I could not get them back. I wanted to disappear. <laughs> the whole drive home, yes. it was a six-hour drive from Indiana. Mm-hmm. The whole drive home, I cried in my rental car and I told myself, never again never again will I speak, never again will I put myself out there, never again will I face that type of embarrassment. And that's what we do when we fail. And it's interesting, the research that I've read, and you can correct me here if I'm wrong, I'm not the doctor here, but I've read that there's research as early as childhood where little boys and little girls experience fear differently. Little girls are more fearful. They're more risk averse. So for example, research shows that little girls break sooner when riding a bicycle than little boys do. So little girls, they never want to make the same mistake twice. And they tend to attribute the mistake to who they are. Boys, on the other hand, are slower to learn from calamities. Can I get an amen from the boy moms? And they attribute mistakes to something outside of themselves. Oh, it must have been the bike. It must have been a rock in the road. Couldn't be me. Well, you think of implications of this as grown men and women in business, in business you're gonna fail. Whereas you see men experience failure in business, oftentimes a little differently, like I'm gonna dust myself off, must have been the market, must have been, you know, social media must have been the customer. Whereas women go, oh, I'm a failure, I'm not good enough, I wasn't supposed to do this. And so what I help people understand, similar to fear, is I normalize failure. Yes, you will fail and that's okay. It's not about failing. It's not a sign of who you are. You're gonna dust yourself off and pick yourself up because failure is a stepping stone on the journey to success. It's a necessary step in the process. I love how Michael Jordan said, I have lost over 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and I missed. I have failed over and over again in my life. And that is why I succeed. And so this is the greatest basketball player of all time. Yeah, so look at yeah. The shots that I've missed, look at the games that I've missed, look at the, mm-hmm. and, and so if we start to see, okay, wow, even really successful people fail, I'm in good company, it's okay if I fail. It's actually a necessary part of the equation of succeeding.
0: No, that's really good. I love how you've posed that there. And I think that it's good you've raised the whole, the, the male-female thing. I think a lot of the female personalizing everything, I must have failed. I don't even think it's got anything to do with being a female. I think it's got everything to do with sexism, patriarchy, mm, social social structures, just what a woman is supposed to be right. and that kind of stuff in the whole. And so we've, because not not everyone will experience it like that, but there is a general trend. So it's incredibly important not to, and I'm glad you really glad you raised that point. It's incredibly important to see failure, not as a personal, not as I'm bad, but to actually see that, okay, that didn't work. That particular approach didn't work. It's not me that's failed. It's just that that didn't work. What have I learned from it?
1: I like how you've said that. I think what you would miss out on if you let that one failure, because you will fail. We all do. You'll fall down. It's going to be. yeah. Yeah. What if, if you let that define you, if you let that be the end of the road, like, we'll see, I wasn't cut out for this then you have no idea on what you're missing out on. For example, that event, that speaking event where I drove home and told myself never again was in 2010. That was 10 years. I have had a decade of a speaking career, an incredible speaking career because I was willing to dust myself off, pick myself up and try again. And it was hard and it's embarrassing and it, it, it's difficult. But man, you have no idea on what's on the other side of that if you're willing to pick yourself up and try again.
0: Mm, so it goes with the whole point of people can learn. You know, that's the whole thing. Everyone can learn how to learn. That's a learning skill. You're learning to improve. Thomas Edison gives that example as well of the thousand yeah. attempts. And they said to him, how, why didn't you, you know, what, what do you think about your failures? And he said, I know a thousand things that don't work. You know, that's if we, I know we know this. I mean, we talk, everyone's resonating with what you're saying and what I'm saying now, but it's the application, isn't it? It's actually, yeah, that's for everyone else. But when you fail, you need to remember the statement. You know, I'm talking to everyone now, all of us. When that failure comes, which it will, like you so wisely said, you will fail. Don't remember this conversation. Remember that you can, you can get to the other side. You could learn something from it. And it can be a lesson for
1: you. It can be a lesson for others as well. I can't yeah. tell you how many times I've told that story that has given hope to someone else, or I've told it's a, a more recent story where I failed and messed up, and that gives hope to someone going, exactly. oh, normal, it's okay if I fail, and maybe I can use that as a light to someone else to kind of shine in yeah, their path. But- Love it because that's what we're about. We're about helping each other. Right. You know,
0: it's as soon as we think it's just about me, that's the problem. You know, that's the whole gotta be careful of the whole narcissistic society. It's not about me, it's about what I can learn and how I can help others. And when you get that attitude, it changes
1: things, doesn't it? Well, and it's interesting too that you bring that up because we could un we could peel back the layers of the psychology here, because I think there's a lot of Fear of failure. Yeah. That is really this idea of perfectionism where people are mm-hmm. just willing to not be beginners. They're not willing to suck. They yes. want to come out with 2 million Facebook followers. They want to come out with the perfect podcast. I'm like, do you know how bad my first oh. was, my first post, <laughs> my first blog? You're, it's not think that you're scared to fail. Yeah. It's, you just aren't willing to be humble enough to suck, exactly, to be a exactly. beginner. And exactly. there's a little bit of ego check there. And if you're willing to start somewhere like everybody did, by the way, Dave Ramsey yeah. started this business on a card table in his living room. It, the impressive things in life always start with very unimpressive beginnings. Exactly. You've got to be willing are there if you yeah. want to get to where you want to be.
0: And it's also a lot of, I'm so glad you've raised that because it also goes to the fact that it's just not, it's not, it, you may have an overnight success, but even then the thinking, the training, people that are successful have failed and have spent years. I'm sure you get it. People come up to me, oh, I want to do what you're doing. Well, go do four degrees and spend 38 years doing brain research. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, I can't just, in one book, teach you these skills. I mean, people will think, okay, I can read your book. Now I can teach your stuff. It doesn't work like that. You've got to find your, you know, it's hard work. People instantaneously want, as you say, the 2 million followers on Facebook, but they haven't even, you've got to be prepared to put in that work. Well, and and I think there's there's something,
1: there's a message here too. There's a message Mm -hmm. about, you know, being willing to start small. There's also a message of who you are at the beginning stage because people come to me and they're like, I want the 2 million followers. And I'm like, are you faithful to your two? Are you faithful to your 200 Very followers? Good. Very because good. If you're not faithful there, you're not going to be faithful. You're not going to suddenly show up and have character and content and add value to 2 million all of a sudden because the audience deserves it. It's who you are in this stage. So if you're not being faithful there, I love your example of the of the degrees and the years put in. People yeah. see big stage and big lights and I want to do that. I'm like, okay, cool. Because I started at high yeah. school cafeterias. There you go. High school- Kentucky County Libraries, where they fed me refrigerated chicken vinegar. Have you heard <laughs> of speaking there? Because that's where I spoke for the first year. Yeah, exactly. You know, and exactly. So having, having people understand that that's necessary, not only for the, the growth and development and platform, it's necessary in, your what, character. It's mm. in you, what it's shaping exactly. in your character and your talent.
0: Oh, that's so good. That is excellent. So, what about the guilt that moms can experience? That are you know, there's, it's also once again a societal thing. But moms go through so much guilt because of what's expected. Into yes. and any of you running your own business, it takes a lot of time. And I mean, I've had business, had my business since my kids up with four kids, and all the way through, I've always worked. I remember breastfeeding, handing to my uh, my nanny who was helping me go and give a lecture, go back. You know, mm-hmm. and there is guilt that's company. That how do you speak to women? In business and guilt. Let me,
1: let me give you a really simple thing I, I, I have done in the last few years, and it's actually just totally transformed how I experience guilt. Mm-hmm. It sounds so simple and so silly. I identified that the root of the guilt in my life always came from focusing on where I'm not. So if I was mm-hmm. at the office, I was worried about my kids. Are they okay? Are they sad? Are they sick? Do they need me? To, if I'm missing out on this thing. If I was at home, I didn't keep up with my deadlines. I didn't get my work done. I didn't check mm. that email. I didn't hit. So I'm at home opening my computer. I'm at work worrying about my kids. If you live your whole life this way, looking through the rearview mirror of what you left behind and where you're not, of course you feel guilty. You're never present in the moment you're so in. So good. You always feel guilty about what you didn't do, and you're the same so To do list. We got a to do list of seventy five things. We do seventy three of them. I didn't get to the two. Yeah. The two? Didn't get to. If you spend your life, like that, of course you feel guilty. So I know it sounds so simple. I have just shifted my focus to the front windshield. So wherever I am, I choose to be present there and focus there. So right now I'm hanging out with you. I get to have this conversation. I'm not thinking about my kids. I'm right here in this moment. Beautiful. I'm so excited to be here. When I go home, I won't be thinking about this. I won't be checking my email. Be where your feet are. And when you do Beautiful. It's not perfect. It's not that you'll never have these two things in your life collide because they will. I had to miss my son's second birthday because of a speaking event and I cried backstage. Those moments will happen. Yeah. But the day-to-day, you begin to find confidence in how you spend your time, use your gifts and live your life because you're looking through the front windshield of where you are instead of always feeling guilty about where you're not.
0: Are you looking to take your mental health healing journey to the next level and find sustainable solutions to some of your biggest struggles? Then join me at my 2020 Virtual Mental Health Solutions Summit, December 3 through 6. I will be joined by amazing guest speakers like Dr. Daniel Amen, who will be sharing some strategies on how to stop those automatic negative thoughts and keep your brain healthy. And Dr. Henry Cloud, who will be discussing when and how to set boundaries and how to enforce those boundaries. I will also be joined by Dr. Nicole Pera, who will be discussing how to heal from childhood trauma, secondary trauma and more. Dr. Will Cole will be sharing some great tips on how to reduce inflammation in our brains and bodies and what to do and eat for optimal mental and brain health. Finally, my good friend, singer and member of the hit group Destiny's Child, Michelle Williams and I will talk you through how to make brain detoxing part of your everyday routine. There will also be sessions on how to stop overthinking, how to deal with toxic people and words and so much more. We are also pleased to be offering CME and CEU credits. For more information and to register, visit drleafconference.com. That's D-R-L-E-A-F-C-O-N-F-E-R-E-N-C-E.com. The link will also be in the show notes. I love it. I remember my kids turning around to me at one at different points in their life saying that, Mom, we're really glad you work. It makes you a nicer mom because you feel fulfilled. In different <laughs> words, in you know, a different way. Makes you a nicer mom because yeah, because I mean it's just it's it's about quality, not quantity anyway. But yeah. I love your I love your example. I've got what about sexism? Women in facing and dealing with sexism. I know I've had to deal with it as a scientist and as a woman in speaking,
1: like you as yeah. well. It's it's like Okay, Yes. Okay. so everybody has different perspectives. Yes. And mine might be one that some of your listeners don't agree with. So let's just, mm-hmm. let's just go there and see how this goes, okay? So I choose personally as a value not to carry the banner of women, women, women. Mm-hmm. It's, I, I don't want to make it a thing. It's not because I'm embarrassed to be a woman. It's not because sexism doesn't exist. There's a quote out there and I can't remember who said it, but I love this quote. And this is kind of what I live by. Be so good they can't ignore you. I don't want to be the best female speaker. I just want to be the best speaker. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be the best be- le- woman leader. Like, mm-hmm. like, There's this qualifier that I'm in a different category and I have some, I'm like, no, I just want to be the best. So I just want to be so good they can't ignore me. And, and when you face sexism, when you face difficult situations, and that is real, I think that one of the wisest things you can do is to be strategic in how you present your case. You should fight for yourself. You should stand up for yourself. You should speak up for yourself. You should ask for more money. You should do all those things. You should carry your weight, all those things. But if you come in with guns blazing and, and your case may be so right, but they can't hear you, And you're not going to get the result you want because the method in which you portrayed it. So I just try to Mm. coach people on being wise and strategic, not because you're scared, not because you're not right, but because your end game is I want to lead to this result, Mm. this reconciliation, this outcome, and I'm going to do the most effective way to get from point A to point B and not be a bulldozer. That might be a distraction in a way that people can't hear me. So it's a balance of yes, speak up. And also speak up in a way that's going to lead to the results that you want. Does
0: that make sense? That makes sense. It's, so it's in other words, you are coming in with confidence in who you are and not letting anyone ride out. But you're coming in not as a as a as an aggressor.
1: Yeah, and I will say that if you if you confidence is a muscle, people think it's a special gene that some people are born with and others aren't. But if it's it's a muscle, and if you have never used that muscle, it's going to be a little weak at first and a little awkward. The more the, that you strengthen it, the easier it becomes because that muscle is stronger, and eventually you feel more powerful, like you have a say in your own life. so I 'll give you an example. There's been several situations in the last 10 years here at our company where I have been in board meetings with all men that are older than me, more senior than me in our organization, I have been in leadership groups, where I have been heart racing, wanting to say something, and I'm a confident I'm an Enneagram eight, like it takes a lot to, to rattle me but I want to say something and I feel that fear rising up and I feel my heart racing and I'm scared of the outcome or how I'm going to be perceived. But when I do it, when I speak up and say that thing that no one else will say, when I am bold and brave, every time I do that, I earn respect from the people in the room and I build confidence in myself. I can't tell you how many times I've been in a room with all men where I have said the thing that some of them wouldn't even say. And I've got texts afterwards from some of those men saying, thank you for saying that thing we were all thinking. So powerful when, again, it's back to that fear, push past your fear and do it scared because you'll build confidence in yourself and respect from other people. It's just using wisdom and how you go about it. I love it. I love what you said. It's having that courage and there is going to be that fear, but that fear you can use its
0: energy and energy transfers so it doesn't ever go away so you've turned it into something that is constructive and you've ad- added you know to added the necessary value to their conversation what i have done because it's faced it's so much in the, the worlds that i move in it's i mean it's everywhere it's in everyone's world so i have found that i focus I, I don't see that it's men and women i see that it's humans and we're discussing we're also discussing a topic so if i'm in a discussion it's there because of my knowledge and therefore i have total confidence in my knowledge and i come from that angle so i speak with my authority and if a man tries to overtalk me I will just, I will simply just come back with the facts and the science and argue back and right. forth and I will not be shut down. Right. And I think, you know, that's if you have, and my message there is that, that I always tell women with sexism and it, it goes to what you're saying. That's why I'm saying this. It undergirds what you're saying is to have, even through the fear, whatever, is to have the confidence in your content in yes. your authority and that in your voice, in your value and to override societal... Societal pressures yeah. to be you because you have value to add. You are valuable, and your voice is valuable.
1: Yeah, and it's focused around content. It's yeah, yeah. And there's it's this weird mix too because we don't want to come across as bossy or the other B word or any of those things. But I think when you do it with wisdom and respect, and you you present your truth, your case, whatever the thing is, with the posture of humility but confidence, like this, I'm not asking. I'm saying this is how, you know what I mean. Yeah. Then what's so interesting is. It's it's it they're actually able to hear it. And so I love how you said focus on the content or or whatever the whatever the situation is that you speak up and to not let it hurt your feelings. We're also we just love to dance around people. Oh, I just I just I just don't want, you know. It's like, no, there's there's no one else that's worried about hurting people's feelings. Like you can speak with being assertive and being confident. And this is not about hurting feelings. You can mm-hmm. you can speak up and be heard when you and, and I will let's give one mother, let's give one more tip while we're on the subject. There are a few words I want to tell your listeners that are women to stop saying right now. One of them is, I'm sorry. Another one is the word just. Another one is, I mean, and those, here, we'll do four words and little. Okay, I Very hear good. women I just have this little business. I'm just a stay-at-home mom. I have this little, mm. I mean, I just think he should come in earlier. I mean, I just think that she, listen, when you use this small Language, this insecure language, you're not only damaging how other people see you, you're damaging your own sense of Very, very good. Disqualifying words out of your vocabulary. Do not apologize for raising, do not apologize for speaking up, do not apologize for asking a question, do not apologize. I'm sorry, can I ask a question? What are you sorry for? What are you sorry for? Exactly. That's excellent advice. Some of those words, if you take those out, you start to feel like, oh, oh, okay. Oh, I am more powerful. I am more confident. Yeah, that's really good.
0: I love that. I love that. Those. That's incredibly good advice. And coming back to that, if someone does react and and say that anything about negative, like you're bossy or whatever, any any of those toxic things. They have the problem. It's yeah. their wound that has been prided and their, I mean, their pride that has been wounded and it's not your problem. That's not, you don't have the expectation. They, they're coming from a culture that is wrong. And by you standing up, you're teaching them. You need to teach teach men that sexism is not acceptable. So yeah, it's not, I-
1: not saying those words like you've just said, identifying those words. Yeah. And, and I think it's kind of like what we were saying with the, with the wisdom. You focused on the content. We're talking about how you do it with wisdom. One of the ways yeah. that you do that is as much as possible. And we're talking about, let's say, in a corporate environment. Okay, this could happen anywhere, but specifically in kind of a corporate environment, if you take the drama out of it you take the emotion out of it and you just present the facts, you're going to be received and perceived so much more credible. But if you try to make your case, even if you're right with arms flailing, dramatic, emotional, you've lost your credibility. But that'd be true for a man too. You need to present your case in a way that is credible as a speaker, as an authority, as a leader. And when you do that, then if someone pushes back, you're like, no, these are the it's facts. problem. Yeah, those, you know, the, exactly. That's exactly. it your problem. Yeah.
0: Now, this has been amazing. I love this conversation. I could carry on for ages. I know, and it's so I'm just respectful of your time and how can people get hold of you and learn more about your business boutique and learn how to do these amazing
1: things? You've given some fantastic tips. Oh, thank you so much. Well, christywright.com is my website and I actually have a free five-day confidence boost. We've been talking a lot about confidence so they can get that and then any of my resources for business boutique from the podcast to the book or any of those things are there available as well.
0: Oh, that's amazing. Thank you so much. We'll have all that in the show notes and I've loved this conversation. Thank you for what you do and you're helping so many women. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much. Have another conversation sometime.
1: Yes, please. Thank you for having me.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much.